The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight, where various Christian Reconstructionist pastors seek to understand and dissect the issues that are plaguing the church today, from the pulpit to the pew. Hello and welcome to another edition of Setting the Record Straight, a podcast of Reconstructionist Radio. My name is Russell Trawick and I will be your host today. Today I want to talk about a subject of patriotism versus nationalism. Now this is an excerpt from a a sermon I preached back on uh, July 4th weekend and I wanted us to listen carefully to some of these things. There is a difference between patriotism and nationalism. George Orwell wrote, Nationalism is not to be confused with patriotism. By patriotism, I mean devotion to a particular place and a particular way of life, which one believes to be the best in the world but has no wish to force on other people. Patriotism is of its nature defensive, both militarily and culturally. Nationalism, on the other hand, is inseparable from the desire for power. The abiding purpose of every nationalist is to secure more power and more prestige, not for himself, but for the nation or other unit in which he has chosen to sink his own individuality. Anonymous person from a communist country says, Patriots are believers in principle, which the state may or may not reflect so they may support or oppose the state and still be patriots. Nationalists are believers in the state and believe in the perfection of the state. Nationalists never question the state or its intentions in most nationalist governments, such as not permitted anyway. Now, I'm not going to give an exhaustive list and an exhaustive explanation between the differences here, but I want us to understand clearly And start with this, patriotism has to do with this, especially for the Christian, has to do with honoring God's law, his sovereign lordship, and purpose for a nation. For Psalm 24 tells us, For the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and the world and all who dwell therein. For he has founded upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. We must understand that patriotism has to do with this first presupposition. That God owns all things, He is over all things. We must also understand that patriotism has to do with honoring God's law. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says that where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. The law of God is so important because Proverbs fourteen tells us righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Patriotism has to do with honoring His law. It has to do with honoring His sovereign lordship. It has to do with honoring His purpose for a nation. And God is purposed every time and every place. Acts 17 and verse 26, it says, He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of the dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps fill their way toward them. God ordained that all men at all times, at all places, be where they are. And for us, I believe that a great illustration 
a great example of what patriotism is. Patriotism is a biblical worldview because what it is looking is is honoring God and His law, honoring God and His sovereign lordship, and honoring God's purpose for our lives where He has placed us to live. Matthew 22, verses 36-40 says, You shall love the Lord your God. When Jesus was asked, He said, What was the greatest commandment? And He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is a great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love God and love others. Patriotism is a biblical worldview. Being defensive of those around us, their lives and their livelihood. On the other hand, nationalism doesn't honor God's law, but man's law. Nationalism doesn't honor God's sovereignty, His sovereign lordship, but rather man's sovereignty. And, And nationalism doesn't honor God's purpose for a nation, but man's purpose for a nation. And if you read through 1 Samuel 8, that is what is told. What the people of God said, they came to them, came to, to Samuel and says, you're old and your sons don't rule like you. They're, they, they take bribes. They don't honor God. We want, rather, a king to judge over us. Now, I know Samuel was perplexed, and he goes to God, and he goes and tells him, and he talks about what's going to happen. So read, read for yourselves 1 Samuel 8, verses 1-22. through 22. It's very important. But what they really did when they asked for this king to judge over them, what they were saying to Samuel, what they were saying to God, was that they wanted a Moloch to reign over them. The word for Moloch, from the foreign nations around them, the word Moloch means king. They wanted a god of their own fashioning to guide them. They wanted a God like the nations around them, to, to, uh, to around them, but better. And must understand that these Molochs, these kings, these gods that are around them are pagan gods. They're pagan kings. They wanted a God that would unify their nation. They wanted a God that would will, they could willingly sacrifice all things, including their lives, their children, their money, their talents, and their property, and so on and so on. Exodus 32 tells us that this was not a first time that this, this people who were called by God would do something like this. If you, remind, if you remember while Moses was up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments from the Lord, the people grew restless and they said, uh, Up for us, Aaron. Make us gods that we can worship. And Aaron, as a, a great priest and a God's man, says, Oh, sure, we no, let's let's not do that. That's that would be dishonoring of God. No, he says, Alright, bring me all your gold. And he says and he even makes an altar. See, nationalism is different from patriotism. Nationalism also not only leads honors man's law, man's sovereignty, and man's purpose for a nation, but nationalism always leads to sadism, which is apostasy to God. See, there's no difference today between early paganism and their Asherah poles and our country. 
We too in America have our Asherah pole, but instead of a golden image, we have a piece of cloth adorned in vibrant color and even stars of the sky, which one would think would pay homage to the Creator, but instead stands for, look what we built. Although our Asherah pole is not adorned in gold, it is golden in the eyes of nationalists. The apple of our country's eye can't be trampled underfoot, nor can it even touch the ground without being desecrated. We cloak the dead who are sacrificed on the altar of Moloch in unjust wars that attempt to force the might of the country's God upon foreign lands. For why would we cloak them in Jesus when we seek to honor the God of country? How dare I speak against the flag? How dare I ridicule the old glory? How dare I cheapen the meaning of the red, white, and blue that flows through the veins of the citizens of this great country? How dare I? How dare I? Because Exodus 20 says, You shall have no other gods before me. Now as I said, this was a message on July 3rd, right before Independence Day. Independence from what? It commemorates the adoption of the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1776, declaring... Our independence from England. So naturally, what do the nationalists do? Do they thank God? Absolutely not. They don't celebrate freedom even from the oppression of the motherland, but rather they lump appreciation and worship of those who have fought and died in all foreign wars. They add to the celebration, the celebration of police and all first responders. All to declare with the monopoly money we carry totes, we are one nation under the God of our own creation. So here's the problem. When we abandon the first commandment, all the others follow. And I want you to hear this clearly. When we abandon the first commandments, which first commandment which says, You shall have no other gods before me, we abandon all the commandments. We desecrate them all. We trample all of God's word and God's commands to us. How do we do it? We set up idols, which we just talked about. When we don't honor the fact that we should have no other gods before no other gods before him, we set up gods of our own creation. Exodus 20 verses 4 through 6 says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image in the likeness of anything in heaven above, on the earth beneath, or the waters underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them and worship them. You shall not stand before them, place your hand over your heart, and pledge allegiance to anything that you have created with your own hands. Because God is a jealous God. He shows love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and obey Him, but He he can't stand. It says... He will show, he will visit the iniquity on, on the children of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate him. We also 
when we abandon the first commandment. We blaspheme the very character, the very nature and the commands of our Creator. Exodus 20 tells us in verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. If we pledge allegiance to anyone, anything, or even an ideology apart from God, we blaspheme him. But see, we live in a generation of people. The Second Timothy 3 tells us, we live in a generation of people who are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. When we abandon the first commandment, we not only set up idols, we not only blaspheme the character, the nature, and commands of our Creator, but we no longer rest in the Lord of the Sabbath, but in the works of our own hands. We rest in the work of our own hands. That's why we can look, why people can look at old glory and say, I pledge allegiance to this piece of cloth sitting upon a pole high and lifted up. We don't rest in the Lord who gave us the land and set our feet upon it to take and have dominion over it. To be fruitful and multiply in it. No, we don't do that. What we do is we rest in our work. But our best works are nothing but filthy rags before our God. Once the first commandment goes, others follow it. We set up idols, we blaspheme the character, the nature, and commands of our Creator. We don't rest in His in, in, in Him, but in our own works. And then in this country, we lock up our parents and we wonder why we live in slavery. We don't honor our father and mother, as we're told in the fifth commandment. We lock them up in nursing homes and throw away the key. We give someone else the responsibility. And I'm not, I'm not coming here and saying that we don't need assistance sometimes in caring for the elderly. But what I'm saying is that we don't care for the elderly any longer. We don't view their lives, those who have raised us, we don't view them with a love and, and attention and, and that they deserve What do we do? We place them upon someone else. We will work even harder to have the money to put them in a facility where someone else will watch over over them and care for them. And we will visit them maybe once or twice a year. God's Word says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. We also, we, we stand by and I say because we don't we don't have a, an honor and respect for our parents, we we turn around and we stand by and do nothing, and violate the sixth commandment of "You shall not murder." And we stand by and do nothing while our most defenseless neighbors are murdered through abortion. 
In the state of Texas, that's uh, in, in, in the state of Texas, that's huge. Across this country, over three thousand children are are murdered every day. This epidemic, this atrocity, is is closing in on sixty million babies have been murdered through abortion since Roe versus Wade. We no longer value life or livelihood. We no longer value our parents. We not only do that, we don't just stop there. We, we celebrate all forms of immorality, including sexual immorality. The seventh commandment says you shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. But we celebrate it in our country today. We celebrate it in churches. We don't deal with it. We don't call people out. We don't, we don't, we don't say adultery is wrong. We don't, we don't stand by God's word. We don't talk about sexual immorality in the church. We, we go very far away from it. We don't talk about homosexuality. We don't talk about those sins. We want to keep them in the darkness. Well, folks, they might be in the darkness, but God has called us to bring His light and shine upon the darkness. But we don't even, it's not just about, uh, about committing adultery, it even goes further than that. It includes our adultery against our bridegroom, our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, we need to understand one of the most important things we can do and when it comes to sexual morality is speak the truth in regards to this. Do you not love your neighbor as yourself? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. What more godly thing can we do for, for people we love and people we know than to tell them to repent and turn from their sin, turn to the Lord their God for healing, for salvation from their sin? Once we abandon the first commandment, all of them go. We set up idols, we blaspheme the character, the nature, and commands of our Creator. We don't rest in the Lord of the Sabbath, but in the works of our own hands. We lock up our parents and we wonder why we're in slavery. We stand by and do nothing while our most defenseless neighbors are murdered through abortion. We celebrate all forms of sexual immorality. And eighthly, we violate the Eighth Commandment. We accept theft through taxation and arbitrary laws as a duty. Scripture tells us in the, in the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal. I was at a conference recently, and I remember a man telling me, I asked him, I said, um, I asked him, do you believe that taxation is theft? And he said, absolutely not. I said, what is theft? He says, taking something that belongs to someone against their will, against their desire. And I said, but I don't want to pay taxes. I want to use that for the kingdom of God. He says, oh, no, no, no. That is not theft. Taxation is your civic duty. For man's law trumps God's law in these areas. Because it's rational. It's reasonable. We accept theft through taxation and arbitrary laws as our duty to obey. And those who enforce them as well. We also go on and we slander. And there's the ninth commandment and, do, and violate the ninth commandment which says you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We go on and violate 
the ninth commandment. And we slander other image bearers of God. I always see this, we even do this to the point of withholding the gospel from them. We do so in regards to the homosexual, the Muslim, or even the quote-unquote illegal alien. We don't give them the time of the day, much less give them the gospel, the word of God. But rather we slander them for their immorality and their, and their apostasy. And how dare they come to our country? I was reminded one day of someone who said, maybe the reason why they're coming to our country and why God is sending them to us in droves is because we won't go to them. So God sends them to us. And what do we do? We have the same response. We slander them, yet we won't tell them what God has commanded us to do. Lastly, we violate the Tenth Commandment when we are not content with the resources God has given us to build His kingdom. I say this, you shall, as Exodus 20, 17 says, you shall not covet your neighbor's anything. See, this total abandonment is called antinomianism. When we abandon the first commandment, we will abandon the others as well. When we violate the first table of the law, we will utterly desecrate the second. But today in churches, and in this weekend specifically that we, we talked about around the country, churches sing, God bless America, America the beautiful, and they sing the national anthem, praising the God of country for its beauty, pride, and worship of itself and its greatness, and turn around and ask God to bless it. But our God is a jealous God. He is a consuming fire. He will not be mocked. So we come to this place and we must ask that question. What are we going to do from this day forward? Are you going to worship God? Are you going to be faithful to Him? Are you going to be faithful to Moloch? Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks.